Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am so excited that you're about to listen in on another episode of the Made Possible by podcast. I wanted to take a quick second to let you know exactly what we do. Made Possible by makes giving easy for community-minded businesses and provide a more effective way to share their stories of good. Now let's jump into the podcast. Welcome to the Made Possible by podcast, where we have conversations around good with community-minded individuals. We hope that today's episode inspires you to go out and do good. Hello, and thank you again for joining us for another conversation around good. I am Tracy Zerden with Made Possible By, and at Made Possible By, we love to make good loud. And I say this every episode, but this is one of my favorite parts of my job, my role, in that I get to tell stories of good. I get to meet cool people. I think people are fascinating just to get to hear what makes them tick and why they choose to do good in their communities. So today I'm excited to introduce you all to Tyler Green. Tyler is one of those guys that he's so humble. I don't even know how to describe him beyond he's so humble in the sense that I ask him for a bio. I go to LinkedIn or I start looking around to try to find information about him and there's nothing. And I say, hey, Tyler, send me your bio. He goes, yeah, nah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't really have one of those. (laughs) So, Tyler... Tell us about you. Well, Tracy, thanks so much for having me. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have the conversation. And uh, I, I kind of share in your sentiments of just love to be around people that are cool and awesome. And uh, yeah, so my my bio is, yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I'm a, a husband and a father. And, and just, I think really my heart is to just be a, a good friend and citizen in Oklahoma City. And so that's that's what drives me. And so, yeah, lots of my own experiences around kind of the intersection of business and nonprofit and church um, and what does it mean to kind of collaborate and build trust. And so those are kind of the areas of my, my focus and energy. And um, so, yeah. Okay. So again, like I said, super humble. Doesn't even tell you what he does or where he works. Uh, well, oh no! I, I, yeah, no. I obviously have have some gifts and talents and my own experience. I just think you know part of the work that I'm doing is just trying to um, help help one another, help people in the city just see each other first as human beings and kind of human centered and the value being that yeah. um, really the the way that we treasure one another. So, but yeah, yeah but. Vocationally, yeah, I've spent my time at uh, mostly at Hobby Lobby, so that's where I've been and, and still now. And so my my role is the community catalyst, and so it's really working kind of in the, the philanthropic arm of Hobby Lobby, um, specifically around the work that we do in Oklahoma City. And so that has led us to um, create this collaborative platform that we call Flourish OKC, um, which is just a way that we're trying to engage in a, um, in a new way in the work that we're doing here in Oklahoma City. Okay, see, yeah. there you go. I pulled yeah. it out of you. <laughs> I pulled a little bit of bio out of you. So going back to what you started with, with yes. your main focus in life is your family, which I, I, that's how it should be, right? So that's great. You told me earlier that you guys spend a lot of time out on bikes, especially now with COVID. There's not a lot of places to go. So biking is kind of your, your go-to. Yes, yeah. So we we've got four kiddos right now from ten to four. So when we go biking, there's it's a it's a little bit of parade, but uh, we we have fun. So we live in downtown Oklahoma City in in the Gatewood neighborhood. So uh, for us to 
be able to just pull out our bikes and ride around, ride to downtown, midtown, 23rd Street. So there's just uh, a lot of places to go. And, um, yeah, kids love it. Do they love the new park downtown? Yeah, we haven't we haven't got down there as much. So mm-hmm. um, back, back about 10 years ago, we actually lived about, oh, maybe half a mile from what was the Myriad Gardens. Mm-hmm. And so that was... Uh, it was right during the middle of all the the renovations that they were doing still downtown was really still kind of like a a business district so we would we would go there on the weekends and there would be nobody there so we we were there when it was still just kind of the the kind of the downtown community life was just beginning to kind of take a new uh, shape and form so that the kids have a lot of memories of uh, the Myriad Gardens, but uh, we're, we're going to make some new ones at Certo. Nice. So, yeah. so I can just see your little crew moving down the street on your your little parade of bikes. Do people have, do people, do they have, do their bikes have different personalities for their kids, your kids, or are they just pretty generic? Uh, like your girls, I you know, when we were little, we yeah. would put the little the sparkly things or the well we've got two riders so the oldest two are riders and so my second is a is a girl and Isla so she just she got the hand me down bike from brother so now they're yeah so it's just two kind of typical bikes but then the other other two little ones they're they're in a little pool behind so oh, I've got okay. so I usually get quite a bit of comments when I got two kids um, in my little pool behind kind of running around downtown there's not a lot of other families that seem to be um seem seem to be out there there's a few but we're kind of the the odd ducks out there sometimes with our little parade of six uh, riding through the streets when my boys were little i had them in the back carrier and very often i'd ride around um lake hefner and somebody would come running up to me or riding back up to me because they had thrown something out or they're like this has to be you i'm like yeah and then when they got a little bit bigger my oldest was on his own bike, but then my youngest, have you, you've probably seen those, that it's a half bike that attaches to the yeah, back of your bike. Yeah, so they have yep. handlebars and they pedal, yep. but they're not steering or doing anything. Yeah, yeah we've and, done that. Oh, I, I had so much fun with that because we would go around the whole lake and we'd be finished. And I'll never forget Jake looking at me one time and saying, wow, we're done already? I didn't pedal once. <laughs> Like, I know. Uh, I was pulling you the whole time. So, yeah. uh, But it's such fun times getting yeah. out there and just doing fun family things. Yep. So you told us a little bit about why Flourish started. Yeah. T- tell me about how how long you guys have been going and okay. maybe some of your recipients. Sure. Uh, so, so Flourish really out of this idea of how do we kind of collaborate and really co-create at a different level um, as we think about the intersection of kind of business, church, nonprofit, government, um, the original idea came in this idea of let's let's put on awards to to celebrate the different uh, nonprofits that were doing awesome stuff as a way to kind of introduce people to each other, maybe introduce um, donors to ministries that didn't know each other, and so that was the original idea that took place idea that took place three years ago, um, and it's kind of morphed and adapted and innovated. Um, and really moving from this idea of just celebrating ministries to really what are the values that these nonprofits or these leaders that are in our city making a contributions to specific issues, what are the values that they live out that we would want to, to share um, so that other people 
in their everyday lives can engage with or can partner with. So, um, so yeah, so the last couple of years we've chosen to focus on a specific issue um, and really take it from a one-night event to really a shared learning experience mm. over the course of a year. Um, and so, and, and really our, our platform, we're not the experts in these issues, but we're really just trying to be kind of the first learners and listeners and really pull together the people that have either the lived experience or the expertise within that issue uh, that can help uh, just shape the kind of the bigger narrative around what's happening. So our first year we did, or kind of our second year, the first year for what is we call Flourish, OKC, um, was on education. And this last year, um, through just really a series of listening, focused on restorative justice. So mm. I like that you have a focus because there's so many worthy nonprofits out there mm-hmm. and it's we're going to talk more about this in a little bit but you can't say yes to everything um, and so I think having a focus um, really helps pinpoint you know a couple of those um, nonprofits that are doing great things I love how you talk about being a connector um, when I was at the chamber I would always joke that we were like the little white Lego mm. that's super boring it's not sexy at all. It's not the big, cool Death Star or whatever, but you need that little connector Lego to connect the big pieces together. Mm. And so I love that that's kind of what your heart is behind it. And like you said, we're the first learners. Yeah. You know, yeah. we don't have all the answers, but we know other people mm-hmm. who do. Yeah. And we're going to connect those businesses to those um, organizations. So, yeah. oh, I love it. So, yeah. So I'm, and when it comes to podcasts or talking, I'm usually the one asking the questions yeah. or setting up the introductions. So I totally flipped it. Flipping the script on I me today. Am, so. I am. This is totally. I'm pushing Tyler uh, way out of his comfort zone today. So thank you. Yeah. So talk to us. About- Hello. Hey. Thank you for listening in on another episode of Conversations Around Good. My name is Hetty. I'm a team member here at Made Possible by, and we wanted to take a moment to share a little bit about what Made Possible by does. We make giving easy for community-minded businesses, and we provide a more effective way to share their stories of good. Small to mid-sized businesses don't have the resources that large corporations do to hire staff to process their sponsorship and donation requests or a marketing team to share how they choose to invest in their communities. Made Possible By provides an easy to use time-saving solution to help a company process their request and we help companies better connect with their customers and community by providing a permanent location to share their stories of good. We believe that you don't have to be a big business to make a big difference. We would love for you to reach out to us today at madepossibleby.us or email our team member Tracy at Tracy at madepossibleby.us. We truly want to help you make your good loud. Now, back to the episode. So I'll, I'll highlight the, the focus on this year, which is restorative justice. And so for us, we kind of, through our process of learning, even for us, we gave shape to restorative justice in, in this statement. I'm just going to read it just so that you can kind of have context. Because yeah. I think some people will, will hear restorative justice and, and even be like, well, what does that even mean? Well, so, that's my next question. Okay. I was going to ask okay. what it is. So, so there you go. Yeah, perfect. Okay, so restorative justice for us is a system of criminal justice which focuses on the rehabilitation of the offenders 
the healing of victims, and the repair of the community at large. Mm. These practices work to break cycles of generational trauma, to interrupt the trajectory of generational incarceration, and to restore all people impacted by both crime and incarceration, and to invest in future generations so that all in our city can flourish. So that's really the framework that we developed just through the process of, of even listening to people who've had justice-involved experience, also experts who really care about the issue. Um, so that the whole year is really focused on helping the community understand even what restorative justice is. And so uh, this year we've, we've learned greatly and have had so much fun celebrating some faithful ministries and the work. Um, so this year the focus with was the recipients were Branch 15, uh, Ignite 405, RISE program, Prison Fellowship, Hope House, Shiloh Camp, Hope is Alive, Our Neighborhood Empowered, Hope for Generations, and Remerge. So those were the, the grant recipients this year. So those are all um, feet on the ground, right? Mm-hmm. They're out there doing, doing the work. And when you talk about restorative justice, that, I mean, your definition was perfect. I mean, it was all-encompassing, but it was long, because mm-hmm. that's a huge issue, especially in Oklahoma City. You know, we have yeah. the number of the highest incarceration rate in the world, mm-hmm. and our Oklahoma County Jail is just known to be a bit of a disaster. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge endeavor. Um, oh, my goodness. I just can't even. Do you feel like you moved the 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 bar just a little bit in helping i mean because like i said it's a big issue yeah it, it is a big issue and i think hopefully we were able to i think introduce people to some new ideas i think uh yeah i think there is a, a growing awareness that you know um this is a disparity within our country our city our our, our state um so i think out of that there's still a need for education and just kind of cultivating just the heart towards those things. And so, um, yeah, and that's really the tension that we live in in the work that we're doing is um, being willing to to celebrate the strengths of our city and the community, but also acknowledge the challenges. And so mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're rubbing up against those who, who once held power or once led organizations, but you're also trying to connect with the rising gen and the, the innovators, the, the people who are dreaming of a new future, and you're trying to help. And our kind of our kind of place is kind of being the bridge between those two yeah. um, at times. Um, so yeah, um, whether or not we we move the needle, I think that's still yeah. It's our our job is to really just point to those that are are deeply engaged in the work and trying to highlight their voice and mm-hmm. um, put them on the stage. Put put them behind the microphone, behind the camera, and really, um, and I think help, I think help everybody realize we all have a role to play in this. I think that's the, I think that's one of the things that in this work we're really acutely aware of is just the, the the reality of kind of the individualistic culture that we live in. And so there's just, uh, how do we, reimagine how we fit within a city and when one one person suffers we all suffer and so just I think part of our storytelling and our our work is just helping us realize that if that we're all a part of either the challenge or the solution Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's there's really 
especially in this work of restorative justice and the criminal justice system, where all of our lives are impacted by that in some way. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's no, there's no non-participation in the work. So, yeah. Well, I so appreciate that because I, I look at the issue and I just get so overwhelmed. Hard topic, mm -hmm. and it's going to be a long road to do it. So thank you for diving yeah. in and investing in those who are, at, like I yeah. said, boots on the ground. Yeah. They're doing the, the day to day. Yeah, and and you know the the process of of this focus is really us going out and listening and asking lots of mm -hmm. questions, and so you definitely are are overwhelmed with the challenges, but you're also um, have been inspired and encouraged by there are so many courageous, faithful mm -hmm. people within the systems within the work that are are really giving their heart and soul. To see transformation happen, and uh, it's it's not always you can't always see it in the moment, no. and there's significant challenges, but there are some um, just beautiful um, people right now in our city working to really see it done differently. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's encouraging. Yeah, that's really encouraging. So, tell me about how um, businesses tie into that. What role does business have? in bringing restorative justice. I mean, mm. how, what does that look like if some, a business owner is out there listening right now and they're like, well, yeah, that, that totally gets me moving. Well, how can I help? What do I do? Yeah, well, businesses are awesome because businesses provide jobs. So mm -hmm. that's that's such a, you know, as I was describing earlier, the, the collaborative work that I'm doing is based out of a business, Hobby Lobby. And so I often look back at Hobby Lobby and say, hey, the best you can do for our community is the jobs that you give and, mm -hmm. and giving meaningful, well-paid, good jobs that are healthy. Um, and so that, I mean, that <laughs> the business's commitment to that, to really caring about their people, that that is doing some work of restorative justice. Um, and I think there, there are then also ways in which um, you can partner with organizations that are really trying to help bridge the gap. Um, for the, the good thing is there is a lot of um, reform happening, and so a lot of people are being released from prison. And so there's just a lot of opportunity to work with transitional ministries and organizations that are trying to help bridge that gap between um, bridge the gap so that businesses that have jobs and opportunity can find um, people and employees. And so, um, and I think that how, how businesses get involved is different for each business. So I, I've seen some really amazing examples of just, this is integrated into all, like almost all that they do um, at every level of their work. And others are just trying to provide um, opportunities and, and partner with, uh, the system or, or ministries or organizations uh, that are trying to help um, the transition. So, hmm. yeah. Now, we don't think about a job. I mean, it might be easy to set, to hear going, we're going to provide jobs for people that are coming out of jail. We're going to help them have a second chance. And somebody, somebody may think, well, that's not that big of a deal. That's a huge deal. Mm -hmm. That is a ginormous deal. Um, one, because it's really hard for them to find a job, but two, for someone to believe in them again mm -hmm. and to give them a chance. Um, I had the opportunity to meet this amazing woman named Stacy. Uh, I don't know if you know um, Allie Cunningham. She owns several restaurants in town. She's mm -hmm. with Happy Plate Concepts. Um, but she, I think it was at one of her sunny sides. It was probably downtown. Um, Stacy had just come out of jail. She had a drug background, 
and she had tried several places to get a job and nobody would hire her and she told herself I'm going to try this place and if this doesn't work I'm, I'm going to throw in the towel she was suicidal mm-hmm. to the point that she was just ready to give up and Allie hired her gave her a job and now Stacy she's part owner of mm-hmm. that location because somebody believed in her and was able to move forward well she works with Hope is Alive. Mm. She works with those guys. Every Tuesday, if you go eat at the Southside location and say, hey, I'm here to support Hope is Alive, they give a portion of your um, your money to them. So it's just the trickling, you know, mm. of just yeah. a job, yeah. just a simple job. But it yeah. makes a big difference. It's huge, yeah. It makes a big difference. That's awesome. Okay, so I'm going to ask this many times throughout. Tell people where to go um, if yep. they want to get connected with you all and um, be a part of what Flourish is doing. Yeah, so this, yeah, so www.flourishokc.com. So that's flourishokc.com. And uh, last fall, we hosted an online event that kind of really highlighted these ministries and organizations and really kind of shared some of our learnings from our, our focus on restorative justice. So you can, that, that digital experience is still online and can be interacted with, but we also have um, some follow up uh, of restorative justice learning. Um, um, initiative, And so if somebody is really want to kind of dive in a little bit deeper and really hear from like a local expression of what that is, uh, we, we have a, a little video course on there as well. And so there, that's one way that you can continue to learn. And that's something we want to offer. Nice. First learners. Yes. That's, that's going to be my new thing. First <laughs> learners. I'm a connector and a first learner. Mm. We don't know everything. So when you hear the term corporate social responsibility, what does that mean to you? That's a huge term. Some people are super familiar with it. Some people call it, just say CSR. It's different in different parts of the world. But what does that mean to you? Coming from your background, from Hobby Lobby, what does that look like? Yeah, yeah. That that to me, when I hear that word, it's kind of a new word in my mind, in, in a sense of you know, I'm I'm a part of a I'm third generation business, and so uh, my my grandfather started a business, and uh, you know, I think it's he would have used the words more just, you know, we operate our business on our principles and our values. And so, you know, obviously that for, for a private company, that's shaped by the person that runs it. And so that's, it, it really takes shape upon that, per, that own person's integrity and character. Mm-hmm. And that then really forms the, the shape of the business. Um, but yeah, when I hear of corporate responsibility, I think of just, um, think of a, a mindfulness of how how the work of the business is um, not only making money but engaging with the well-being and the flourishing of the people that are in their organization and the people that are in their cities or in the in the spaces in which they're doing business hmm. yeah I, I, I love that it's just simple you just made it really simple because you're right i mean csr probably is just a new term it's a yeah. new cool yeah. way yeah. to say just right. be mindful and just be treat people well right yeah. and give back be involved in your community i love that you just simplify it there you go so in general what is business's role in impacting communities and employees and the customers they serve I mean, you kind of just touched on that a little bit do you have anything more to say about what the business's role is? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> business, nonprofit, I mean, I think they're all just structures that really organize. And so, I mean, I think it's organizing the the talent or the gift of a person, and, and they're trying to use that to, to serve and um, benefit the people around them. So I think 
the role is to think about how does whatever service product you have, how does it impact um, everybody? So everybody from your employees to your vendors to the community. So I think I think business business has a role has a role in in either being re- restorative. If we're going to come back to that, <laughs> being restorative in, in the work that they're doing and um, valuing the people, uh, I think obviously people are, are of the greatest value. And so um, they have a role to either um, to help do that or to um, be kind of self-focused. And so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So intentionality. Intentionality. Okay. Yeah. Mindfulness. There you go. So recently, the National Business Roundtable deviated from the philosophy of shareholder supremacy, that is maximizing profit and return to owners, to providing value to all stakeholders. So what are your thoughts about this monumental shift, and how can we tell if companies are actually doing it? Mm, I'm so intrigued by this, and I, I think I've... I think this is something I've probably given a lot of time and thought to in my own work with Hobby Lobby and with just um, uh, being being from the perspective of somebody who is seen as a, a funder or a resource partner. Um, I think we are obviously in our, not obviously, in a, mostly in our mainstream, the score is kept by dollars and cents. And so I think that puts a disproportionate amount of value on that um, specifically, but then <clears throat> kind of reimagining where value is placed um, to not just being about uh, the owners, but everybody who's involved. And so what does that look like to have a more of a cooperative um, structure and, and, and more engagement where everybody feels a sense of ownership mm-hmm. um, and weight of responsibility? I, I don't know what that all looks like, but I think they're, um, I think I'm encouraged by that shift to think about um more ways to keep score than just the bottom line mm-hmm. and uh, so I think that's how it happens is how do you how do you keep score how do you measure success. measure measure success um, and uh, I think obviously the dollar and cents has been woven into the fabric of our institutions for so long and so that's that's the easy kind of clear way to the bottom line, and I think there's some great clarity that can come around that, but I think there, uh, the opportunity is to be intentional to, to measure other things as well. Hmm. That's something we've really seen through Make Possible in yeah. that the companies who value people, who value their community, who give back to their community, not only do their customers want to spend their dollars there, but people want to work there. You know, we want our lives to matter, not just what we do on the weekends or not just, you know, the once a month when we have time to go volunteer somewhere or whatever. You want your every day, every day to matter, and you want to work at places that do that. So I think that there's, I hope more people are recognizing that and wanting to take that to heart and actually make a difference. So thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah like no. You are going to say something. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I think in my own 10 years of kind of, journey in in just being a part of a business in the world I think even 10 years ago I think it was kind of an alternative idea mm-hmm. but I think there's been a lot of you know entrepreneurs that have kind of reshaped that and have proven that people are willing and and open to um, 
changing behaviors to really celebrate the companies that are doing that. So I, I mm-hmm. feel like we're kind of in the beginning of that in a new wave, and we still got a lot to learn, but I think we're going in the right direction. Well, I love that. I love to see more companies that are choosing to live that way. So is it important? You work with a lot of nonprofits. So is it important for nonprofits to have some sort of performance metric? And how are they measured and reported? I mean, how that's kind of, I mean, everybody knows that most, I think most do have a board that they answer to, so they're, you know, responsibly using the funds that they're given. But how else do you measure success? This is a great question, and one I'm trying to figure out myself <laughs> uh, within the work that we're doing, Flourish, yeah. but... And I think part of it is, is yeah, I think it is obviously for goal setting and metrics, um, but but trying to determine how how those goals and metrics are set, does it benefit the organization? Is it about the funder? And I think I think really there's a movement and a shift to say, okay, how 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 does the community in which you're wanting to serve or to be supportive of, how would they define success? Mm-hmm. And so I think. I think there's some shifts happening in how that's that taken that's taking place, and obviously, if you're a nonprofit working with you know traditional foundations or the government, you have you know they're, they're going to have metrics, and you want to have evidence base. So, um, I think there are, are definitely um, nonprofits that are having that are doing those those cha- challenging but awesome opportunities of collaborating with other systems that that need those metrics to demonstrate their work. Um, and then I think there's also some more community-minded, not more community-minded, uh, more more kind of located within a community that's really driven by relationship. And I think there's some there's some value there that's harder to you know sum up in a in an annual report or in a metric. Um, and so it's a, it's a tension. It's a tension between mm-hmm. um, you know trying to be uh, efficient and excellent and, and learn from best practices, but also hold the tension of just the power of uh, relationship and connection really being a big part of the solution. Mm-hmm. I think we get so tied up in numbers. I know churches can really end up that way, you know, that we're successful the larger the attendance is. But we did a podcast earlier in the year with, I guess it was last year, with Ben Knuckles at mm-hmm. Commonplace. Ben moves me. He is a deep soul. He yeah. just, he always challenges me in some way, whether yeah. he means to or not. He's not yeah. like in my face challenging me, but he just says something that makes me rethink mm, my life process. Yeah. But he, we were talking about, uh, Commonplace does a lot with um, the homeless. Mm. This is kind of one of his things. And um, he was saying that Tracy, I, I'll never forget his statement. Tracy, I solved homelessness. And there was a pause. I'm listening. Okay. He said, I solved it for one person, for Matt. Mm. For Matt, I could pay for him $60 a night or however many, however much it was for him to have a place to stay. And I solved it for him. Mm. And that was enough for Ben in that moment to be able to take care of one person. Mm. And that, to me... Metric-wise, it's yeah. probably not a great measure, but it is. It should be, right? right? I mean, even just helping one person is a big deal. Yeah, well, I've, I've, I've said, you know, the, the means and the goal are the same, and that's relationship. And so I think, yeah, sometimes the, the, the goal or outcome can kind of overtake mm-hmm. just the, the opportunity for that relationship or connection or, or whatever role we can play in that moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. We need to be more like Ben. Be more like Ben, people. 
Um, so coming from your background, coming from Hobby Lobby, how do you manage trying not to help everyone? Because sometimes you have to say no, right? I mean, you can't do everything. And maybe it's more of a try me back next year kind of a thing. Um, but with the funds that Hobby Lobby has, and you already give away like half, right? Half of your profits mm-hmm. every year. Yeah. So, and then on top of that, you've got all this other stuff that's, go- I mean, that, it's just mind-blowing. So how do you process that? Yeah, so when, when I, 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 I joined Hobby Lobby about 10 years ago, kind of professionally, and so I think there, there was some already clear set paths on this is what we focused, and it was really, hey, we want to be deeply involved with a few ministries. So that was, and I've seen a lot of different approaches, so I think I think it really is hard to to dictate for a company, for for a business, what their level of no and yes is, and we all have different yeah. resources to give away. So some have have more joy in giving time and and trust and talent away, and others would would rather invest resources and 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 get back to kind of the main work of whatever the business, the core business is. And so, um, I think it's. Yeah, I mean, I think it's almost as unique as each person is, is, is the company is. So uh, that that is a hard one. It's a hard one. I think uh, the beauty is where where I sit and the work I get to do, I get to see so much good. And so you get mm-hmm. to see um, and you want to celebrate everybody for yeah. their work. And so uh, I don't, yeah, so it's I, I don't know if I have a great answer for, for a process of, of saying no. I think we've my approach has been very relational and um so it's it's there's not a, a systematic way for us to do it um but but i think there is a clear what we've communicated to the community is a clear commitment that hey this is we we, we are giving back to the community and um and so and if if we don't get credit for it that's okay we really want to celebrate the the organizations and the leaders who are really investing so much of their they're investing their lives into the work and so Mm -hmm. for us to be able to come along and support them um, resource them partner with them um, we're the ones receiving Hmm. see that just shows your heart again right there i appreciate that so make possible we love to help our champions Uh, we just call it kind of refining What's your vision? Mm, like how you all yeah. said, this year we're doing restorative justice. Yeah. You know, so that's kind of your theme. And that helps you, in a way, have some parameters right. of what we're yeah. going to support this, support this year, what we're not. And so our community champions, our clients, we call them community champions, on their, um, mm. their community impact page, they mm. put, we support whatever it is, education, um, justice, um, animals, whatever yeah. they want yeah. to do. Yeah. So people can go look at their page and go, oh, okay, if I'm looking for a sponsorship for this, but I'm not seeing it on their page, then it's probably not a good fit. Yeah. So it kind of helps them filter it down as well. But it helps for them, for our clients, to think through what, what, do, we, what do we want to get behind? Yeah. What do we want to put our dollars behind? And very often I've had conversations with people, I just say, and they're like, I don't know, what do I want to do? Yeah. So what makes you angry? Mm. What moves you? Mm. What inspires you? When you see something that's not happening, do you want to make that happen? You know, just kind of help people through. And that's really a fun thing for me to do, just to see people catch their vision. Because if we all had the same vision for the same thing, none of the other things would get done. So we all have our own little niche in getting it done. So Mm. I love that. 
again, another fun part of my role. Yeah, that's awesome. Get to help people have vision. So I imagine you get the opportunity to do good on a global level. I know that you've got to travel your family. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about that as well. But what, what for you, what is the experience like serving and doing good overseas as it is here? Because Flourish's focus right now mainly is just Oklahoma City. Yeah. But yeah. you've been out. T- tell us a little about, about where you went and how long you went and that experience and then what it looks like here. Yeah. So so growing up, I had, uh, from an early age, had a lot of opportunities to travel. And, and part of that was the extension of Hobby Lobby involved with a lot of international ministries. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the the real basis of the work that we've done. And so that's that gave me a lot of opportunities to travel and kind of see the world. And that's that's really where my own kind of curiosity and compassion for, for different cultures and perspectives and experiences has shaped. And, and so that eventually led so my, my wife and I and our kids uh, a couple of years ago spent 10 months in Cambodia mm-hmm. uh, with International Justice Mission and mm-hmm. so uh, IJM is unique in that they're, they're trying to collaborate with local governments, businesses, laws, uh, lawyers to help rescue people from slavery and mm-hmm. so um, I think I think that perspective and that time there definitely shaped even how I do work locally. And I think a lot of it is, is um, I think adopting some of even the, the things that we would adopt in our global engagement, which is we're not the experts on, on people's communities and cultures. And I think even if you're doing work in a city, a city is one of the most complex ecosystems there are. And so recognizing that um, our approach, how, how do we center it on the people in the community itself, um, and and what is our role in in being? I think more less of defining what success is or bringing the solutions, and more of a supportive listening, um, bridging, breaking down barriers, doing those things. And so I think that my my work internationally has kind of shaped. I think in a humble humbled me in a sense of we're we're not the experts, um, but how can we? And we've got to kind of come in and build trust um, and, and recognize what's already going on, really celebrating the strengths that are within communities. Um, so I, I think that work really translates. And, and to me, when you get the work that you do in, within the context of your own city, I think it's, you can engage in a more holistic way because that's the world and relationships. And you have, you have more to give and you can take more responsibility in the work um, as you can, um, you bring to bear your own house, your, your own time, your own relationships and networks, and how do you be generous um, and, and, and give those away um, as well. And at the same time, you have the opportunity to receive as well as you, as you get to, for me, just you know, meeting and, and connecting with people from different experiences who who have been through the public school system of Oklahoma City and struggled and understanding what it's like for them and, and understanding what it's like to be a teacher in the local school and understanding the, the superintendent and their heart. So under, having a better understanding of where they're, they're coming from, um, that shapes my own perspective in a way. I think that, um, yeah, I'll definitely continue to stay involved with, with global issues, but I even think there's a there's a global trend of okay if you're a North American based organization, 
your job is really just a bridge, to be a bridge between whatever resources are available to then support local initiatives. And I, I see a lot of organizations kind of reimagining how they engage with communities, and I think it's I think that translates at actually at a city and a local level as well. Mm-hmm. So, I think if you get an opportunity to go overseas, everybody needs to go overseas. You need it just dramatically changes your perspective. I think it makes you more um, appreciative. Uh, I know uh, when I came back from Africa, just running water was just a huge thing, and then I can't even imagine working in justice reform in Cambodia. We're talking slavery, right? I mean, we're not just talking you went to jail because, you know, you stole something. I mean, it's a whole nother level, right? Mm-hmm. And that, so that's, uh, that's a unique perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, I had, did a podcast last week with a woman out of the UK um, who works with, um, we call them co-working spaces. They call it a little bit flexible workspaces, okay. is what they call it. But their organization is very much like Hobby Lobby in that they are just very extremely generous. But they, each year, um, any employee from any of their locations can apply for a two weeks um, volunteering trip mm. somewhere around the world. And it's not part of their vacation, it's not part of anything, but they just send people to go do that because they, one, want to give back in a different way, not yeah. just locally, but they also want to spread um, the wings, so mm. to speak, yeah. of their employees just to see something different. And I just thought, well, well, that's a really neat thing. What do you think, Tyler, and I don't, I should have asked you this question beforehand because I don't know the answer to it, but um, do you think it's okay for businesses to talk about the good that they're doing in the community? Yeah, that that's an interesting question. I think, uh, you know, again, all I can share is from my own experience and context. And I think, um, you know, when I first started 10 years ago with Hobby Lobby, it wasn't something that we really spent any time or energy talking about. It was like, no, we're, we're committed to being an awesome business, to be a business of integrity. And, you know, our giving is just something that we kind of do behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think, I, I do think, as, we've, as Tracy, you've mentioned, early in the podcast, I think employees and, and the community are looking to engage their either their time as an employee or um, as a as a consumer, they're wanting to, to be a part of something that's kind of bigger than just, um, you know, uh, products or, or services. And so, yeah, I think, again, I think this is goes back to, you know, each business kind of probably sees this differently. But I do think, um, I, as an employee, would want to know what what my organization and company and business are are passionate about, are engaged with, and and have opportunities to 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 speak into that in some way. I, I think I've seen lots of businesses that really um, where you know yeah the the owners definitely give some direction as well, but they've also provided opportunities where employees can can give direction and engagement, and so I think that's a powerful tool and. Um, um, but yeah, the, the, the fine line of, of trying to kind of highlight what you're doing because you want people to know and, and just doing it. So, uh, yeah. but, um, I think, I think, I think over time, I think people can feel the sincerity of it. Absolutely. So they, they, they can tell, um, if this is just, um, just something you're doing for marketing purposes or if it really is a motivation and a drive. And I think that will probably, uh, so if it's not 
if it's not really your heart, then I think that will, will also come through. If it is your heart, I think they'll, mm-hmm. they'll recognize that and appreciate your, your work in the city mm-hmm. or work in the community. Wherever you work. Yeah. So one of our community champions is uh, John Vance Auto Group out of Guthrie, and mm-hmm. they, um, I, lo- I love to share this quote because it just, it just, it speaks to them, but it also talks about how we help them and that she says that she loves our services because we help them share their good without screaming, look at me, mm. you know, because we can provide a way to do it in a way that's not, like you said, just to draw attention to them or that's not authentic yeah. because giving back is part of their thing. You know, they're all about breast cancer and, and helping veterans and those are really mm. cool things, yeah. you know, and people do shop there because of that. Yeah. Um, but you, you want to do it in a way that's real. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm going to come back to a personal question. Did you always know you were going to work at Hobby, Hobby Lobby? Did you want to work at Hobby Lobby? I mean, just because you're being, cause, just because you're a green. Yeah. I assume not every single green works at Hobby Lobby. I mean, maybe they do. I don't know. But was that something that you always wanted to do, or? Yeah. No. I mean, it's 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 been my it's been a, a own unique journey for myself. You know. So I think. Uh, uh, kind of my vocational role has always been kind of my greatest challenge. Not not because I, I don't appreciate or admire my father or my grandfather for the work they do, but I think that's that's kind of the only world I knew growing up. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but but over time, I think there's just been an emergence of seeing how my own kind of design skills, passions can can lend to the moment that the organization is in in, mm-hmm. in a. Um, as it continues to grow and mature, I think there's just uh, a lot of the things that Hobby Lobby does today didn't, it wasn't there at day one, but they just kind of grow and evolve um, and, and respond as they, as really the, the values and the character comes to surface with, oh, there was there was a realization a couple of years ago that, hey, we could do more in Oklahoma City. And mm-hmm. I had been investing, you know, nearly a decade of my life getting to know, you know, community-minded organizations and people that were on the ground with some of the, the challenges and injustice of our city, and it it, it really synced up. And so, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, that's, that's, that's where I am. And So you didn't always know that you were... No, no. No? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What did you study in school? Uh, I did. I, I studied business and community development. Okay. Yeah. Well, perfect. Yes. That was a perfect fit right there. That's yeah. exactly what you needed. So, did Hobby Lobby start with your grandfather in a garage? You always hear, you know, like um, uh, Steve Jobs. It was yes. in his garage. I, I, this is a random question, but yeah. I don't even know. How did it start? It's pri- yeah, maybe the living room. I think is what it the was. Yeah, room. no, my <laughs> my 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 grandfather, uh, David Green. He was uh, a manager at TGNY, which was a five oh, and dime shop, yeah. and um, really started out of wanting to, to have a better work life balance. So uh, my grandmother was wasn't seeing him much around the house, and so he he took he took a loan of five hundred dollars and a frame a little frame maker and some some molding, and my grandmother and my dad and his brother kind of started the business, you know, making frames out of a um, a living room. So really? that that's what that's how it all started. Wow! Yeah. That's, see, I love that. That's the American dream right there. Just a simple, yeah, a simple thing. Five hundred bucks. Yep. 
That's how it all started. Nice. Okay. Okay. I appreciate that. I love simple beginnings, Mm -hmm. you know, not just, I know. Well, tell us, give us your um, 30 second shout out or your call to action or if you wanted to motivate people to get up off the couch today and go do something, what would you say? (laughs) That's awesome. Well, as as I said, I I think my job is to do the introduction. So uh, my job is to help weave people together. And so um, part of what we do is just try to highlight those voices and perspectives through some of our own storytelling and shared learning. So right now um, you can go to flourishokc.com and you won't see me on there. You'll, you'll see uh, other ministries highlighted and um, some learning opportunities, some prayer guides around restorative justice. Um, but then also if, uh, if you're on Instagram, you can go to all.flourish and there we've highlighted some some people that just have perspective on restorative justice and I think really values that are formative to, to people if, if you're wanting if you're at this place where you're just like man things things are broken and I want to see it made whole um, I mean I think that's a pretty broad thing but I think there's some um, amazing people that we get to highlight like Susan Esco and Waylon Cubitt and Adam Luck so you get to be introduced to a lot of people who are are faithful who are living out the the work in their own lives and their own organizations. So I would encourage people to check out their stories. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Make a difference. So do you think Flourish is could turn into something like you have Flourish Phoenix and Flourish? I mean, is that kind of the plan or are you just nope. living right today? No, our our plan is to be committed to Oklahoma City for the long term. Okay. I mean, that's, that's and I, I think there are, are organizations that definitely should try to create a model that scale and if people want to learn things from us we're definitely willing to share and, and we, we definitely learn from others other people who are in other cities that are trying to kind of bring people together to care together but um, for us our, our commitment is Oklahoma City and that's that's our focus and so if mm-hmm. um, in 20-30 years it's Oklahoma City is a, a place where more people have an opportunity to flourish and it's a bit more peaceful and, and just than that we've done our work. Good job, well done. There yeah. you go. And no one would know that you're a part of it because you're always Mr. <laughs> in the background, which I appreciate about you. So thank you. Yeah. Tyler, thank you for taking the yeah. time to be on the other side of the mic. Yeah. I know that's incredible <laughs> to you, and I appreciate your humble heart and just all that you do. So thank you. Thank yeah. you for joining us. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you for listening in to another episode of the Made Possible by podcast. Made Possible by helps make community giving easy. The businesses we serve love to give back to their communities with their time, product, and cash. It's rewarding, but not easy. So let us help you continue to do good in your community.